0: I want to talk to you this morning about moving into destiny. we are in an in a interesting time in, in, in our lives. Uh, I think like we're going from one era to another era, era. And at the moment, we seem to be in no man's land, somewhere in the middle, a bit like when the Israelites came out of Egypt and were going to the Promised Land, they spent time in, in, in going round around the desert. And it was it's. I feel like we're still in that transition time. Um, but I want us to, to not miss out on all that God wants us to do, because I believe at some point, and, and it sounds like it's getting closer, we're going to come out of this time and we're going to start to inherit the promised land, start to inherit all that God has for us, inherit our inheritance in Christ. And I I want us to not to miss out on that because it's so easy when we talk about our heavenly inheritance to think, well, that's there in heaven when I die somewhere far off. And what I'm hoping that through what I share today, that we are able to make our heavenly inheritance an earthly reality. If it's not possible, why did Jesus tell us to pray the Lord's Prayer where he says, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like your your workplace, your family, your relationships, your life to to have your inheritance that is there in heaven, to have it now on earth? So we're gonna look at some spiritual principles uh, this morning of how to inherit the kingdom. And we're gonna look at someone who went from nothing to the King of Israel, King David. So if you've got a Bible, turn over to 1 Samuel 16, and we're gonna start in there to, to see some principles through David's life that I believe can help you and me uh, move into all that God has got for us today. So let's start. Verse 1, 1 Samuel 16 verse 1. Finally, the Lord said to, to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. Now fill your horn with olive oil and go to Bethlehem find a man named Jesse who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my new king the story of King David starts with three things I want to bring out in from that very first verse it is the end of an era stop mourning for Saul stop clinging on to the current era or to the old era because God is going to do something new. You could call it, um, it's a a time of repentance. Stop holding to what was and and, and, and grab onto what's new. So that's happening. The second thing is God is talking about anointing. The start starts with the anointing of God. And the third thing I want to bring out is this. David has not yet been mentioned in the biblical account. Samuel does not even know who he's going to anoint. We know nothing about King David at this point in in, in the biblical narrative. Our destiny, moving into our destiny, starts not with us, but with God choosing us. It says in Ephesians that before the very creation of the world, God created us to be holy and blameless in His sight, He chose us to be part of His family. Before you were even born, God was making you in His mother's womb. We've already had that come up in in, in the first video we had this morning. It starts with God choosing you. It starts with God anointing you. Now we're going to read about uh, Samuel anointing David to be king but your anointing is something far greater. Jesus said this, I will go to the Father and I will get him to anoint you with the Holy Spirit. And if we go back into Ephesians for, into Ephesians, we find out what this power is. I also pray, this is what Paul said, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You see, you haven't just been anointed with oil. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that fed the 5,000, the same Spirit that enabled Jesus to walk on water, the same Spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after he died on the cross and he was weighed down by all of the sins, all of the sin and all the things that had ever gone wrong, all of the evil in the world was put on Jesus and he was there in hell and the Spirit came upon him and the power of the Holy Spirit was such that he was able to to resurrect Jesus from the depths of hell with all the shame and blame being upon him. I've got a message for you right at the start this morning you may have fallen into some kind of hell. You may be being weighed down by some type of sin or some type of circumstance. The anointing that is available to you, the power that is enabled, that God gives to you as a child of God is there to rise you out from any kind of hell, is to pull you up, no matter how much you're being weighed down, no matter what sin is trying to pull you back down. Jesus, through the power of the cross, has humiliated, has destroyed, sin and there is freedom from you there is power that God makes freely available to pull you up to resurrect you from anything that is causing you death I just want to pray for anyone this morning who is in who's trapped in in a cycle of sin who is trapped in addiction we just say right now sin be broken in the name of Jesus addiction be broken in the name of Jesus we proclaim the freedom of the blood of Jesus we proclaim the freedom of the cross we proclaim life we proclaim life itself to flow through your body in the name of Jesus we just rebuke the chains that have tied you down that have kept you small that have kept you back we break those chains in the name of Jesus and we release the freedom of heaven into your life amen amen I I feel good for praying that I don't know about you Let's get on with the story, otherwise I'm never going to get anywhere through with it this morning. Let's join back the story in 1 Samuel 16, verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the leaders of the town became afraid. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification, right, for Jesse and his sons and invited them too. I just want to bring out what happens right at the start. Samuel approaches Bethlehem. The leaders come out of a town trembling to meet him. Why, Why is that? Why did that happen? We've got to realise that Samuel was the last of the judges, the rulers of, of Israel at that time. He was powerful. He was known. He was like a celebrity. But, but more than that, he was also a prophet, a powerful prophet. You didn't want to be on the bad end of Samuel because of the power of God that flowed through him. So no wonder these, these, these leaders are coming out because of his authority, because of the power, because of his his stature. It's a bit like the queen coming to town and, and, and and inviting you to a feast so he invites the leaders of the town and he also invites Jesse and his sons what happens well Samuel goes goes through Jesse's sons and he goes up to the first one and he's we know that he's anointing them for king we're not quite sure what they know is going on but he's going through the sons going God's anointed one of these sons to be king of Israel and he gets to the first one and let Eli- Eliab and he sees Eliab. Samuel goes to Eliab. Eliab because surely this is God's anointed. He looks matey. He looks like he's strong. He looks like he's honest. Surely, I'm seeing with my own eyes. And God says, no, this is, not the, this is not the right one. He goes to the next in line, Abinadab. That's all I'm calling him. I never get my names right, do I? Abinadab. And Samuel thinks he's amazing. And God says, no. And Samuel goes through all seven sons that Jesse brought to the feast. And yet God rejects every single one of them. And why does God reject him? He says, he says, Samuel, you're looking at the outward appearance. You're looking at what you see, but I look at the heart. This is quite, I find that quite amazing because Samuel's a prophet and yet still God's saying, I'm looking at the heart. You're only looking at what you're seeing. And so in verse 11, let's read it in verse 11, Samuel says this, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep. I just want to pause right there. Pause. Jesse has an eighth son, we know his name is David, and he's out with the sheep. He has been invited for a meal, for a festival with Samuel, this incredible person. It's like being, as I said, being invited for tea with the queen or for a personal audience with the queen. And he has overlooked his youngest son in the field. He has not found it, either he's just forgotten or he's not seen it important enough to invite his son, David, for this incredible experience, this once in a lifetime experience. Why is that? Well, some of the scholars, um, Christian and both Jewish, have gone through this and gone through other texts of what David has written. And there is a theory that that David was actually an illegitimate son of of maybe a servant girl. So maybe Jesse would want him further away because David would remind him of his shame. The honest answer is we don't actually know but for some reason David is kept far away whether on purpose or just because he was overlooked he has been rejected for this opportunity what happens next well let's go back to the text in verse 17 send for him at once Samuel said we will not sit down to eat until he arrives Wow. You've got the leaders of the town. You've got Father Jesse. You've got all the sons. And there is this feast about to happen and this sacrifice about to happen. Everything stops so that the guest of honour, David, can be in attendance. They can't do anything. They have to stand. David is going to walk into a standing ovation for his feast, a feast in his honour against those very people who overlooked him and rejected him. I've got a message for you this morning. Doesn't matter what your family say. It doesn't matter what your leaders do. It doesn't matter who puts barriers in front of you. If God wants to anoint you, if God has got a plan and purpose for your life, then man cannot stop, in his, stop, stop it happening in your life. God will have his way the more resistance, the more, uh, I guess, fame and glory you will get. Now put your, put your mind in, 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 in the mind of David. He's just about to walk into this feast. His, the leaders of the town are there waiting for him. Samuel there is waiting him. His family is there, stood, waiting for him for this feast, this banquet. I wonder if that's a scene he was thinking about in Psalm 23, when he writes, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but we, we know that sometimes the, the, the biggest fights happen in, in family. Whatever the reason was, David was excluded which was even the more joy when when everyone has to wait for David to be honoured. Just because you cannot be seen does not mean you're not significant. Just because you may not be visible does not mean you're not valuable. Now, we are in a period where we're, we've been locked in our homes, we've been, we've been put away from each other. Some of us may be feeling that we have been hidden away in a field like David, not being able to meet up with other people, not being able uh, to connect with people. We may feel that we've been forgotten. God does not forget you. God treasures you. I remember... One of our, uh, on my, I think it was the first Christmas that I got, I got married to Leslie, uh, she bought me um, some, some aftershave, I think it was cool water. And uh, it was the most expensive bottle of aftershave I've ever been given. Now you may be thinking, that's cheap. I don't know, for me, that, that's expensive and I didn't really wear aftershave, but I, I really liked it. And so whenever we went out for, for a date night or um, you know, something special, I would put on the aftershave. Anyway, a year goes, goes past, And uh, it's probably about November time. And is going to me, what did we get you for Christmas? You obviously don't like the aftershave you bought because there's still half of it left. It's like, no, you don't get it. I like it so much. I treasure it so much for I will not waste it putting it on to go to work. I will not waste it to put it on to go down the shops. I, I treasure it so much. I only use it in special occasions you know what? God loves and cares for you. Sometimes he can be keeping you back because he treasures you so much. David also wrote this in one of the Psalms. My times are in his hands. Let's not think that just because the time that we're in doesn't mean that we're doing what we wanna do, that we are not in his hands. He has got perfect timing and nothing can stand in the way of him anointing you and releasing you into your destiny when he chooses. Well, let's get back to the story. So David is there, anointed king in front of the leadership, in front of his family, in front of Jesse, in front of Samuel. What happens next in the story with David? Well, we we see it in verse 19. Where is David after he is anointed king of Israel? He is with the sheep. Wait wait a minute, he's just been anointed king of Israel. Jesse has seen that happen, seen the honour that David has got, and yet he's back in the lowliest job, looking after the sheep. But how does that work? I think that often works with us as well. You may get a word, you may get a prophecy, you may encounter God in a powerful way, and you you get out feeling changed and transformed, and yet life just doesn't actually seem to catch up with the word with with what you have seen with the promises that seem to be on your life and you, and you start to question i thought god promised this and yet i'm not seeing anything happening well what was god doing to david what was he saying to david when david was back in in the sheep with the sheep i believe he was saying this david learn to be a shepherd with the sheep david Learn to use your anointing with the sheep. I think so many times (laughs) we get a promise or even we pray. We pray for God to get us out, away from the dirty sheep, not realising that God has put us in the sheep pen for his glory to come out. Not realising that it's the opportunity for God's kingdom to come to earth in that very sheep pen. We often pray to escape our dark situations. Yeah, I know Jesus prayed this and I said it right, right at the start. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there is a dark place on earth, surely God would love his light to be in it. What is the anointing that God has given us? Jesus says on, on the Mount, um, on, the sun on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. If you have the anointing of God, you are the light of the world. The life force that, that created this universe, that flung stars and planets into space, lives and resides in you. We need to stop trying to escape our situations and instead allow God to transform our situa- situations, our environment through us. Let's have a think of what what Jesus did because we are sons of God. What what did what did Jesus what did the father do with Jesus for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Where? Not away from the world, not away from the dark places, but right into the centre of the darkness so that he could be the light of the world. What is our anointing? What is our calling? To do the same, to be a shining light on the hill. But where there's darkness, that we bring light. Where there's injustice, we bring justice. Where there is sickness, that we bring healing. Where there's, where there's uh, unforgiveness, that we bring forgiveness. God's power is waiting to transform the world. He's just waiting for us to allow it to flow through us. Don't believe the lie that when your circumstances change, you'll change. Put it this way. I've, I've heard many people say to me, well, when I get a job with less hours or when I'm less busy at work, then I'll start a great prayer life all of those on furlough how's that working often this is this is I'm not saying in every case but this is what I normally find but people who have got too much time don't seem to find time to pray those which are so busy end up finding time to pray because they know if they don't they won't how come all the best diets start tomorrow because you can pig out today And then the next day, and the next day, and the next day, tomorrow, which never comes. If you've been called to preach, get started where you are. If you've been called to heal the sick, get started where you are. If you've been called to pray, get started where you are. Stop waiting for your circumstances to change and change your circumstances through your actions. Jesus said this. The one who manages the little, he has been given with the faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. You want an upgrade? You want more influence? Look after who you're already looking after. Look after your own sphere of influence right now. Then God will upgrade you. Let's go back a few few verses. Verse 17, because I want to bring something out. Verse 17, and I'll read it from here. 1 Samuel 16, all right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. Saul's looking for a musician. One of her servants said to Saul, the son of Jesse is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is brave and strong and has good judgment. He is also a fine looking young man and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat and a donkey loaded with food and wine. Why am I bringing that out? David is just about to go into his next stage. He's going to go from the field into the palace. He's going to learn what it is to be a king. He's going to learn what to do and probably a lot of what not to do. He's going to have his mind expand. He's going to get a lot of experience to be king by, by playing harp in the palace. How does he get there? Was it the anointing that Samuel gave him gets him into the palace? No. What got David into the palace? it's because he was a talented musician. See, I said, no one can stop you uh, getting your anointing. No one can stop the favour and glory of God coming upon you. No one can stop you moving into your, your destiny. Apart from you. Put it this way. You can be the most anointed, naturally gifted children's worker there is but if you're not willing to, to learn the basics of safeguarding, I can't use you. You may be an amazing anointed administrator, but if you're not learning how, willing to learn how to use computers, I can't use you. You may be the most talented and anointed musician. You may be great at leading worship, but if you're out every Saturday, Saturday night getting drunk, I can't use you. The church is full of people who have got such potential, such natural gifting, such anointing from God, and yet they miss out on their destiny because they won't train up and they won't man up. What do I mean by that? They won't allow the holiness of God to transform. They won't allow themselves to to be discipled. And do you know what? it doesn't take me by surprise because my Bible has many such people in it. Let's think about Samson. Samson, highly anointed, highly talented, a judge of Israel whose whose purpose is to bring the kingdom of God to Israel. What happens? Because of his love affair with Delilah, he loses out on his destiny and so does the kingdom. You see, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God which comes upon us, his name isn't actually Holy Spirit. His name is the Spirit of God. We call him Holy Spirit because he is the Spirit that makes us holy. If we are unwilling to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow him to transform our thinking, allow him to transform our mind, allow him to transform him into the very image of Jesus Christ, allow us to transform us into holiness, our destiny cannot happen and I'll tell you a bible verse why not because if you're not allowing the holy spirit to move in your life what you're saying is my way is better it's a sign of pride and God says that he actively resists the proud the church is full of people highly anointed highly called highly trained and yet their pride is keeping them back because God himself is keeping them back from their destiny anyway I'll let you think about that you need we need the anointing of god he anoints the hidden ah oh, he anoints the hidden but we need to we need to partner with him david wrote something and he said this let me just find it in my notes in Psalm 36, he wrote this, men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers of delights for with you is the fountain of life. Who drinks the river of life? Those that hide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you want the anointing of God, the rivers of God to flow out of you, you need to find the secret place. You see, David wasn't just pushed into the secret place by his brothers. He he was pushed there, or or by his dad. But David also found the secret place with God. We may be in lockdown. We may be in being pushed in and away and and, and pushed into different corners. In some ways, that's irrelevant. The, The relevant thing is, do we find the secret place in God? Do we hide ourselves in the shadow of his wings? Because then he anoints us. Then he gives us strength. Why was David anointed rather than his brothers? Because God saw his heart. How did God see his heart? Well, because David would spend time with God. He knew him. God knew David. All through the New Testament, it says this. um, You know, when you get to heaven, God, God rejects those and puts those into hell. Why? Because he never knew them. Jesus said this, when you go to prayer, close the door, shut yourself away in a secret place and I will meet you there. How do we walk into our anointing? We need to know who he is. We need to find him in the secret place. Let me finish on on one last point. To move into our destiny in God, we need to be bold. Let's carry on the story a bit further. We're into chapter 17 now, and you can look and read it at your own time. The Philistines have invaded Israel. David is back with the sheep. Saul has gone to fight the Israelites. David's brothers have gone off to fight with Saul. And we hear about a Goliath, a giant who is taunting the Israelite army. At some point, Jesse, you got to laugh at this. Jesse, who can't get his David, David to come to a feast with Samuel, somehow is able to get him away from the sheep to go and take some food and some drink to his brothers. So he, he, he goes on his way, goes to the, the front to find his brothers, to give them food and, and wine. When he gets there, you think that his brothers will be grateful that you know, there is David come all, the, all this way so that he can help them and so that he can give them things. But, but no, the eldest brother basically says to him, why are you here? You insolent, wicked boy, get back to the wilderness with the sheep. It's amazing how the brothers just wanted to put David back in his box. What are you doing here? Even though David was being there and generous. But while David was there, he heard Goliath taunting the Israelites. Now when Goliath taunted the Israelites, and basically Goliath was dead, this this is what happened in in, in the warfare at that time, what they would often do, rather than one army fight another army and a whole load of destruction, a whole lot of of dying, what they sometimes did was, I tell you what, you pick a champion, we'll pick a champion, and then those two champions will fight, and that means that uh, the war is decided without lots of people dying. It was actually quite a good idea. Goliath is there from the Philistines saying, I tell you what, I'll be the champion, one of you fight me, and." And then you'll be my slaves or you defeat me and and we'll all be your slaves. David hears Goliath shouting and he is indignant. He hears the name of the Lord being taken in vain. And whereas all the rest of the Israelites are are, are drawing back into their tents and are scared, David is full of boldness and courage. Why? Because he knows the Lord. And he ends up, uh, because of what he's saying, he ends up in front of Saul. Let me read very quickly what it says. Don't worry about a thing, David told him. I mean, verse 32 of chapter 17. I will go fight this Philistine. Philistine. Don't be ridiculous, Paul replied. There is no way you can go against this Philistine. You're only a boy and he has been in the army since he was a boy. But, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb for the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Now, this is not just Saul not wanting to fight and letting David do it. It's not just being a coward. Think of the ramifications if David fails. Saul is putting his trust in a shepherd boy to go and take on Goliath. If David dies, if he fails, the Philistines will rule the Israelites. The war is over. They go into slavery Saul is taking a risk by allowing David to do this. Why does he do it? How does David convince Saul to let him go and fit Goliath? What does David say? I have been a shepherd boy. I have fought the lion. By looking after sheep, I have defeated bears. Wait a minute. Wasn't him being a shepherd? Wasn't that just being used as an insult by his older brother to to box him in and keep him apart and keep him away? Well, yeah. But now David is using the very same situation so that he can have the destiny of taking on Goliath. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. The sheep were supposed to be meant for the evil for David, but instead they became a, a way that he could actually go into his destiny and fight Goliath. For us, we, we are here and we, we've got this COVID pandemic. What the devil meant for evil, God can make for good. You know, through, through this pandemic, it's been a bit like we've been trying to, sh- devil's been trying to shut us up. Well, what you meant to silence me, devil, has only made me louder. You meant to silence me. My voice is louder than ever. You meant to take my life away. That same experience, that same um, time, which you meant to kill me has made me more alive than ever. I don't know about you, but COVID, this this season that we're in, if God is for us, it can be a, a launch pad into our destiny. Now, as we're coming out, As as we're starting to come out of these restrictions, whatever else, I want to be like David, not like the Israelites who are shrinking back in fear. I want to be like David, full of boldness, full of courage, taking on Goliath so I can take the promised land back. But I also want to be like David like this. I don't want to be restricted by Saul's armour. Remember what I said right at the start. Saul is the, end, the era of Saul is over. Stop mourning Saul. Stop clinging on to Saul. It is a new day. I think it's very, very insightful that David rejects Saul's armor. He, ejects, he rejects the way and the structures that were meant to protect in the past. And he says, no, I, I, I get rid of them because I, I, I put my strength in what I've learned in God, what I've learned in the secret place. Many of us over this time We've learned to pray without prayer meetings. We've learned to worship without worship leaders. We've learned to engage with God without going to church. As we come out and we run and when we take the promised land for, for God, for that for his kingdom will be in England, in Scotland, in Wales, in Northern Ireland, that God will be, his kingdom will come upon this earth. We can run with confidence, not in Saul's armour, not waiting for a worship team so that we can worship, but knowing, no, in this period, I learned to worship by going to going to work. I learned to worship by going to school. I learned to worship in my room. I don't need a prayer meeting to pray. I learned to pray in my room. You try to, you use this pandemic to keep me away from prayer. I've become a prayer warrior because of what I've learned because I spent time in that secret place. There is an opportunity. There is an opportunity still left for us guys that during this time, what the, what the devil meant for evil God can make for good. No longer dependent on crutches of what church was. We can rise up as warriors and run into our destiny. Why was David able to run into his destiny in boldness and courage? Was it because he thought he was better than Goliath? I don't think it was. I don't think his confidence was in his, in his ability with a sling. I believe his confidence was in God. How did he get that confidence in God? He spent time in the secret place. He spent time talking to God. He knew who God was. He found him in the wilderness. And he knew him. What does David say when he runs out to Saul? Not, I'm going to beat you. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. His confidence was in the strength of God. Faith is not believing that God can do something. Think about it. The devil probably knows more about the power of God than you do, probably believes in the power of God more than you do. He has seen it, he has witnessed it better than we have. But he doesn't have faith in God because faith is slightly different. Faith is in the character, and the nature of God. It's in that I know he loves me. I know he cares for me. I know that he knows me and I trust. And so when I step out in faith, which often feels like stepping out on the cliff, and this is what it feels like to me time and time again, is as I step out, I'm stepping, there's no ground beneath me, but I'm stepping into God's arms. I'm just hoping, <laughs> and to be honest, this is normally the case, I'm just hoping I've got it right. I'm just hoping that God is there for me, but I'm just trusting in his nature that he's going to catch me. How did David have that confidence to go out with Goliath like that? Because he spent time in the secret place, because he had a heart of God's own heart, because God knew him and he knew God.